Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 2. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The Eric Erickson Show across the nation. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you wish to be on the program, follow me on social media, E.W. Erickson. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, E.W. Erickson. Or as they say around these parts, Erickson. And I don't consider it a microaggression. Now, uh, before I get back to phone calls, open line today for uh, 877-973-7425. I got to mention this story. Joe Biden has named an ambassador for plants and animals. The actual title will be U.S. Special Envoy for Biodiversity and Water Resources. According to the Washington Post... Joe Biden will make Monica Medina uh, the diplomat, top diplomat for plants and animals. And according to the Washington Post, it underscores the Biden administration's desire to fight climate change. There's a direct connection between biodiversity loss and instability in a lot of the parts of the world, Medina told the Washington Post. It's not just about nature for nature's sake. I think it's also about people. Medina currently serves in the State Department as Assistant Secretary for Oceans and International Environmental and Scientific Affairs. She's an outspoken proponent of the Green New Deal. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's proposal that would cost $9 trillion to implement and have negligible effect on global temperatures. According to a piece Monica Medina wrote in January 2019, The Green New Deal is a unifying political message that gets back to the basics of creating an economy that works for all people and protects the planet as a result. She's also a prominent advocate for fully integrating women into military combat roles, which resulted in lowering physical standards to accommodate female trainees who could not pass with the more aggressive standards. What the Washington Post failed to note until conservatives pointed it out is that Monica Medina is Ron Klain's wife. Ron Klain, of course, is the White House chief of staff who regularly botched his interactions with Senate Democrats, cost them a lot of time, and resulted in Joe Manchin giving them a deal that was only less than half of what they actually wanted. What is also striking is Medina really is a climate zealot. But I want to go back to this quote real quick. The Green New Deal is a unifying political message that gets back to the basics of creating an economy that works for all people and protects the planet as a result. Joe Biden's new ambassador for plants and animals, who is Ron Klain, his chief of staff, it's his wife, believes the Green New Deal will get us back to creating an economy that works for all people and protecting the planet. What does that economy look like? We get a sense of it from something that happened in Montreal with Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg laments that the aviation industry has not done enough to cut emissions. 
Now, aviation accounted for only 2% of global energy-related greenhouse gases, according to Axios, but that it's going up. Aviation, along with marine shipping, is exempt from the Paris Climate Agreement. Why? Because what happens if the battery runs out in a battery-powered plane? Well, y'all die when it crashes. Pete Buttigieg says that the aviation industry needs to do more. What's going to happen? Well, there's a reason the aviation industry is exempt from the Paris Climate Accord, because if airlines have to become even more efficient, they become more expensive. And as they become more expensive, those costs get passed on to consumers. Or the planes have to get smaller. Fewer people can travel and the aviation industry has to raise rates. Either way, the consumers bear the burden if you force the aviation industry to recalibrate standards. Pete Buttigieg believes that the climate law passed. What climate law? Well, that would be the Inflation Reduction Act, which they're now openly saying really is a climate piece of legislation. And Pete Buttigieg believes that the new climate law will give some diplomatic leverage to show the United States actually means what it says and says what it means about climate change. And Buttigieg says that there's got to be better efficiency and less greenhouse gas emissions in the aviation industry. Now, what's going on here? Between Monica Medina, who is Ron Klain's wife, and Pete Buttigieg and other environmentalists, they really can't say what they mean. You should not be traveling as much. You poors need to stay home and let the rich elite handle things. When Greta Thunberg traveled the Atlantic to the United Nations, she showed up in a wind-powered catamaran because she wouldn't get on an airplane. It took her a couple of weeks to cross the Atlantic. When I get on a plane and fly to London, takes about eight hours. On the way back, depending on the jet stream, take between seven and eight hours. It's about an eight-hour flight from Atlanta to London. I'm not getting on a boat for two weeks. What they want you to do and what they want to do to improve climate change is to keep you from traveling. That's why they want every one of us in cities. They don't like those of you who live in suburbs, ex-urban areas, rural areas. They don't like you. They can't control you in those areas as much. They can put you into a city, give you public transportation, and take away your cars and tell you deal with it. They can't do that to people who live in suburbs and rural areas where you got to travel to go to the grocery store. You can't just get on the local train or bus because you don't have one. They don't want you flying as much. They don't like you going on family vacation when you all get on an airplane. They want to make it more expensive, cost prohibitive. So they've taken away your gas-powered cars and put you in something battery-powered. And then they've taken away your ability to afford air travel. So now you can only go within a reasonable day's distance of a battery-powered car. So you're staying locally. It's why the environmentalists also favor the farm-to-table movement where you're buying stuff uh, very close to your home because they don't like the global footprint of mass-produced food. They don't like uh, they, they, they don't like uh, Monsanto and, and the others. They don't like 
genetically modified food, GMOs, they call them. They don't like it because you can mass produce corn on a scale you used to not be able to do and feed way more people. And that is keeping people alive. And we need less people And the people we have. They need to stay more contained in local areas. They don't need to travel. The heaven on earth that the global elite intend to provide to solve global warming is a heaven on earth for them and a hell on earth for you. And they'll make you feel good about it. That's what all of this is. It is Malthusian. Malthus was a a preacher, a priest in England and a philosopher who believed that as population grew, we would have major scarcity. And as that scarcity grew, we would have mass starvation. And because of innovations of technology, Malthus's predictions never came true. And the left, who are Malthusians, are convinced that we have to stop the scientific research on mass production of food. We have to stop the scientific research on advances in technology. We got to stop this all so we can return to nature. And by returning to nature, we return to a level of scarcity. And at a level of scarcity, population hits an equilibrium, not artificially created by mankind's advanced, but naturally created by starvation and death. That's the future the environmentalist left wants. It is a deeply religious future full of zealots who believe that the whole world burns no matter what they do. They can be as repentant as possible. They can do everything possible. They can kill their kids, abort the one in the womb, drive a Yugo, run on unicorn farts, eat vegan, and still they're going to burn because of the pagan heretic across the street who has the SUV and the five kids and grills out every weekend. They can't live on their heaven on earth while you mouth breezers who believe in Jesus Christ still exist. The environmentalists must silence you, convert you, or wipe you out. And they don't want dirty hands doing it, so they want to stop food production and travel and let nature take its course. These are the Malthusians. They are a deeply religious people who worship death. Now, having got that off my chest, let's go back to the phones, waiting patiently. Ariel, you're going to be up next. Ariel, how are you? Hey, Eric. Good to talk to you again. You too. Just a quick just a quick question. Um, obviously, we can all see the destruction in Florida from the hurricane, um, and that's Obviously, rescuing, you know, all that stuff is the priority. But just curious, I mean, because we are five weeks away kind of from an election, how is um, voting and stuff like that handled in areas of disaster? Um, I forget, like, I have a lot of family that are in the panhandle that were affected by Michael. Mm -hmm. And I forget how that was all handled then. But I'm just curious as to, you know, you have places like Sanibel Island and all this stuff that is basically cut off. From everybody yeah. right now, because the bridge. Um, so the, but how how is stuff like that handled? Just curious. There are a couple of ways. Uh, first, what they do is they do a very aggressive public push to tell people who are displaced from their homes go get absentee ballots, uh, and you can you can get absentee ballots in Florida, and you will be able to show up at a board of elections. Not if you're if you live in in Desoto County and you're now in a different county and you can't get to that board of elections, you can go to a different board of elections, show your driver's license so they can confirm your ID. They will give you an absentee ballot for your local 
uh, for your location so that you show up, you present credible ID that you are who you are. They'll be able to get you a ballot for your location. You'll be able to cast it by mail so you're not um, you're not impacted. Also, what they will do is mobile command centers on election day in areas where precincts have been wiped out. They will bring in mobile command centers so people can still go vote locally in there. They'll power them by generators if if. Uh, they they can't uh, get na- uh, power back in the power lines. They got lots of ways to do it to take care of it, um, and they'll make sure that uh, people can vote. But again, if you're in Florida right now and your home is wiped out and you can't go back to your county, you can get an absentee ballot still. You'll need to show your driver's license so that they can confirm your identity so there's no voter fraud, but you will be able to get an absentee ballot for your local area. Last call before break. J- Dave, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Dave? Uh, it sounds like we lost him. All right. Uh, maybe Dave will call back. Um, all right. The phone number, 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, we still got more to go, including, interestingly enough, the FBI, I talked about them yesterday. When we come back, there is evidence they may be rooting out conservatives and firing them at the FBI after the whistleblower spoke up. There's a story in Fox News we got to get to. Everybody asked me about bowl and branch sheets. I actually put up a picture the other day. We got some in our house because we order from them. We actually are customers. And they're like, oh my gosh, are they really that good? Yes, they get softer every single time you wash them. I mean, they use 100% organic cotton threads. They're super soft. You get such a good sleep. They have just the great weight to them. Like I had a pair of sheets we actually threw away when we replaced them with Bowling Branch where is they were just like too light and also not very soft. The Bowling Branch, they're perfect. The drape across your body when you sleep, absolutely perfect. Bowling Branch uses the highest quality threads on earth for superior softness, for a better night's sleep. They've got over 10,000 stellar reviews. Their signature sheets come in nine neutral colors in all sizes from twin to California king. You will feel the difference. And they're 100% free from toxins. No pesticides, no formaldehyde, no harsh chemicals. Get 15% off your first set of sheets when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. The promo code is Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Welcome back. The phone number, 877-973-7425. This is from Brooke Sigmund at Fox News. The FBI is allegedly engaging in a purge of employees with conservative viewpoints and retaliating against whistleblowers who have made protected disclosures to Congress by revoking security clearances, the top Republican on the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Jordan, told Fox News Digital. Jordan, a Republican of Ohio, said that more than a dozen FBI whistleblowers have come to him and Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee with allegations of misconduct. Jordan and Republicans have been investigating serious allegations of abuse and misconduct within the senior leadership of the DOJ and the FBI. Jordan, in a letter exclusively attained by Fox News and written to FBI Executive Assistant Director of Human Resources, Jennifer Moore, the congressman says he's received information of retaliation against FBI employees who have confidentially reported alleged misconduct to Congress. This is going to actually be a nonpartisan, nonpolitical point that some of you aren't going to be able to 
process because of your partisan lens. Don't like Matt Gates. I don't think he's particularly bright. I think he's very much a bully. And I just, I, 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 he's, he's not my cup of tea. But he's been dragged through the mud by the FBI and the Department of Justice, accused of human trafficking of minors. And it turns out the prosecutors knew they didn't have the goods and had to drop the case, and they let it drag on for two years before they did, with leaks coming from the DOJ and the FBI. I don't like the guy. I prefer him not be in Congress. What happened to him is appalling, and if it can happen to him, it can happen to anyone. We should be able to speak up and defend someone we don't care for when the circumstances are like this. And we should note that there are have to be problems at the FBI and the, and the Department of Justice. And the investigation began under the Trump White House. This isn't something that happened under the Biden administration. This happened in the Trump administration at the career civil servant level within the DOJ and the FBI. There's clearly something broken there that this investigation could start under those, could be dragged out for multiple years, and ultimately the prosecutor could conclude there's no there there. That's a sign of something very wrong. It's a sign of needing reform. My friend Charles Cook at National Review yesterday I pointed out to you has taken this very strident position that we must abolish the uh, the FBI. We must get rid of it altogether. I don't know that we can or that we should, given domestic terror, legit like foreign domestic terrorism, foreign terrorists on domestic soil. We need some agency that can work against that. We do need an agency that can crack down on on those within our government who would spy on us, like the uh, transgendered uh, soldier who wanted to sell secrets to Russia. It was the FBI that that found that we need to keep stuff like that up. But this this other is absolutely appalling, and clearly the agency needs reform. Somebody's got to do something, and maybe Republicans and Democrats alike can get together after next year with Jim Jordan in charge of just of the uh, just of the House Judiciary Committee and say we need a church committee, bipartisan, a joint session, Senate and House investigating the FBI because there's clearly something going on there. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, it is Open Line Friday. We have some data out there that we must discuss. It does appear that momentum has shifted back to the GOP nationally. Out of the gate, I want to say this, delicately, gingerly, I am concerned that momentum may be shifting in Georgia to Raphael Warnock because I think that the ad showing Herschel Walker's ex-wife talking about the abuse uh, he inflicted on her is doing damage. It hasn't been responded to. There is a response for those of you who say, well, he did it. He did it. There's nothing he can say. Actually, there's a lot he can say 
because it's a zoomed-in footage from a Nightline interview. Herschel Walker was with her when she was talking about this stuff, and you don't see it on camera. This was an interview she agreed to do with Herschel Walker about his struggles with mental health before he got treatment and help, uh, and he has moved on from that. He has grown, moved on, repented, uh, and Warnock is binding him to that. Um the left has spent a lot of time trying to destigmatize mental health in this country, and they're undermining their own efforts for political purposes here. It can be responded to, but the Walker campaign doesn't have the money to do it. And I think if they can't respond quickly and decisively, you've got about a month left. Early voting is about to start. You've got to be able to change the narrative on this ad, and I'm concerned that they're not. All that being said, generally, Nate Cohen writing in the New York Times has this, are political winds blowing in Republicans' favor again? There are some signs of a drift toward issues where the party has an advantage. For most of the summer, President Biden and the Democrats had the political winds at their backs, They saw their poll numbers rise as gas prices fell, as the Supreme Court refocused voters on abortion, and as the January 6th hearings and the investigation into Donald Trump's handling of classified documents turned the media's attention toward an unpopular former president rather than the current one. And I would note that was by design. But with six weeks until this November's midterm elections, there are a few signs that the political winds may have begun to blow in a different direction, one that might help Republicans over the final stretch. The political spotlight might be drifting back toward issues Republicans have an advantage on, like the economy and immigration. It can be difficult to discern these kinds of subtle shifts in the national mood, but Google search trends offer a decent rough measure. For the first time since the Dobbs ruling overturning Roe v. Wade, Google searches for the economy and immigration have overtaken searches for abortion. It's still too early to say whether the subtle shift in the electorate's attention will work to the advantage of Republicans. To extend the political wins analogy, maybe the pro-democratic wins have subsided, yielding a relatively stable political environment. But the new Google Trends numbers resemble the figures from the spring when Republicans held the edge. The new economic news is a different category. A bad inflation report sparked another round of interest rate increases and fears of recession. The stock market is down significantly over the last month. This might be more of a return to the politics of April. The so-called generic ballot poll haven't really changed yet. Democrats enjoy a slight lead, but this weekend, two polls showed Republicans with a lead among likely voters, including the ABC Washington Post poll showing Republicans up by five. It could be an outlier or it could be the first sign of a shift. CBS now has the GOP up one. I expect this in a pattern of Republican dominance at the polls. Um, Republicans now, let's see, uh, the Susquehanna poll of likely voters is out, GOP up one. The Economist YouGov poll has now shifted to GOP up one. The Economist YouGov poll had been pretty negative to the GOP. Uh, Trafalgar Group, which is Republican-leaning, has Republicans up five. Rasmussen has them up one. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine polls out now in the real clear politics average. 
ABC is GOP up five. Emerson is a tie. CBS is Republicans up one. Politico is Democrats up four. Um, is Grinnell, no, that's Grinnell Selzer. Politico is Democrats up two. Susquehanna is GOP up one. Economist, GOP up one. Trafalgar, GOP up five. Rasmussen, GOP up one. That puts the GOP up about a point in the polling average. And keep in mind, the polling average for the generic ballot is a lagging indicator. Joe Biden's popularity is going down again. That tends to be the forward indicator. That tends to shift before the party gets the blame. The individual gets blamed before the party gets blamed, in other words. Now, the Wall Street Journal has a story from Aaron Zittner and Stephanie Stamm. The big shift of Latino voters towards the Republican Party in 2020 combined with smaller shifts among Asian American and black voters suggest these traditionally democratic groups could be more open to Republican candidates in midterm elections across the country. What do these groups have in common? They are the least likely to answer pollsters questions. National figures show the U.S. Latino, Asian American, and black voters back President Biden in 2020, though by smaller margins than previously. At the same time, more of these voters turned out than in 2016, producing a net gain in votes in places for Democrats. Midterm elections typically have lower turnout than presidential contests, though because of the Dobbs decision, some voter registration is up in some states. To find where the inroads for the Republican Party might prove most influential, the Wall Street Journal looked at census tracts, in essence, neighborhoods, in which 70% of the residents are non-white. We then compared how those neighborhoods voted in 2020 to the outcome in 2016. The shift was most significant in Latino neighborhoods, those in which Latino residents accounted for 70% or more of the population. Now, this is important. Let, let's, let's break this down. The U.S. government maintains census tracts. The census tract is a subdivision of a county, and it tends to contain about 4,000 people. The smallest census tract has 1,200 people. The largest census tract has 8,000 people. The census tract is in, not different from a zip code. And the census tracts tend to be used to do redistricting. Census tracts are lumped into districts. As populations grow, a census tract is split into multiple divisions over time to keep them being about 4,000 people on average. So when you use a census tract, that's the smallest division of people the government keeps track of. And you can take the people who vote from those areas and you can fairly well determine within a precinct of voters how people have shifted over time. So the median shift across neighborhoods in 2000 was a 7.2 point increase in support for Donald Trump compared to his 2016 share. The shift towards Mr. Trump was even greater in some Latino neighborhoods in rural South Texas, where the shift was over 20 points. 
Many Latino voters shifted toward Mr. Trump in cities as well as rural areas. In Wisconsin, for example, where Hispanic residents now outnumber black residents, support for Mr. Trump grew eight or nine points in some heavily Latino neighborhoods. Mr. Biden won those neighborhoods overwhelmingly, but the declining Democratic margins, if they persist, could be a factor in the state's elections this year. Nonpartisan analysts say the race for governor is a toss-up. Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson running for re-election is considered the Senate's most uh, vulnerable incumbent Republican, and he probably will win re-election. The races for governor and senator are highly competitive in Pennsylvania, where Mr. Trump's share of the vote rose in 2020 in Latino neighborhoods of Philadelphia, Reading, and other cities. In Allentown, Pennsylvania, which ranks third among Pennsylvania cities for share of Hispanic residents, Democrats are defending a House seat in a contested race. Some Latino neighborhoods shifted to the GOP by 10 points in 2020. Asian Americans make up a small part of the voter pool, but by some measures, they're the fastest growing ethnic or racial minority in the electorate. Mr. Trump's support grew in many of the most concentrated Asian-American communities where they make up 70% of the population, and he shifted by more than five points. In parts of California with a Vietnamese community, Donald Trump's shift was even greater. In those areas, the shift was 20 points towards the GOP. Now, In fairness, we don't know, is this a Trump phenomenon or a Republican phenomenon? What we believe, based on the data, is that it is a GOP phenomenon because we're seeing it in Georgia. Younger black men, Asian American, and Hispanic voters have shifted pretty decisively to Brian Kemp. It's another reason the Democrats are nervous about Herschel Walker, because if it's a Republican shift, these people are shifting and they'll vote for Herschel Walker, despite all the baggage. That's why he can still pull it off. It's why Democrats are nervous about Georgia. The demography is shifting. As the polling shifts back to the GOP because of a variety of issues, the media is in the tank for the Democrats at this point. They're open partisans. And still, even so, They can't stop this shift from happening back to the GOP because of the fundamental dynamics of the races. Bloomberg has a story out claiming that because of the influx of high-tech and finance jobs, North Carolina is becoming a swing state, essentially admitting that high-tech companies bring in their out-of-state workers who are a bunch of progressives, and those people turn a state blue. The state has seen a boom in finance and high-tech jobs in recent years as companies like Apple and Toyota have moved in, changing the demographics and moving North Carolina from reliably Republican to a critical swing state. Ted Budd, the Republican congressman, good dude, friend of mine, friend of the show, he's expected to win. But... Bloomberg would have you believe abortion is a big issue in North Carolina now because of the tech industry jobs coming in. While all of this is gone, there's another story out there. Republican billionaires are funding Mitch McConnell's group. They're not funding Donald Trump's group. You know, I told you Donald Trump hadn't spent any money. $99 million in the bank, hadn't spent any money on candidates. The day after I told you that, it was announced he was going to spend money on these candidates. He was going to spend money on Herschel Walker. He was going to spend money on Blake Masters. He was going to spend money on J.D. Vance. He still hasn't. 
He still hasn't. Billionaires like Paul Singer, Dan Loeb, Larry Ellison, they're giving their money to Mitch McConnell's super PAC, the Senate Leadership Fund. They're letting McConnell spend the money so that McConnell can get people across the finish line. For all of you out there who want McConnell to go away, for all of you out there who don't like McConnell being the Senate leader of the Republicans, for all of you out there who want him to take a back seat, you had your chance with Donald Trump. Donald Trump wanted to marginalize Mitch McConnell, and Donald Trump failed to move the needle. Donald Trump failed to do what he needed to do, and now Mitch McConnell has all these millionaires and billionaires giving him the money they will not give to Donald Trump because they no longer trust Donald Trump to actually spend the money. Donald Trump has made Mitch McConnell stronger as a result. And for all of you who spent a lot of time and energy complaining about McConnell, you need to remember he's as powerful as he is today because Donald Trump made him that way by refusing to spend his own money to improve the fortunes of Donald Trump's candidates. That's a painful reality for a lot of people, myself included, who would actually like to see new Senate blood in the leadership position. It's not going to happen. It is not going to happen. McConnell will continue to be Senate leader because Donald Trump has done what he's done. And Mitch McConnell is going to save these Republican senators who Donald Trump endorsed. Unfortunately, he may not be able to save the economy. The Dow went up earlier today. It's now down over 200 points. If you're worried about the stock market right now, first of all, you shouldn't worry. It's a sin. But if you are looking at your IRA, your 401k, your retirement, and you're wondering what on earth can I do, physical gold and silver might be a way to protect your money and grow your money. If you reach out to GoldCo at 855-904-5933, you'll get a free wealth protection kit to learn how to use gold and silver to protect and grow your money. Thousands of retirees are protecting their retirement savings. Many are getting $10,000 or more in free silver for doing it. Call Gold Co. at 855-904-5933. See if you qualify for their special offer. They've helped thousands of Americans, whether it's dealing with inflation or wild swings in the stock market. They want to be able to help you. They might be able to help you. Reach out to them, 855-904-5933. Or if you text my name, Eric, E-R-I-C-K, text it to 33777. I'll send you Gold Coast number. You can call them and see if they're a good fit for you. I- I've-, I've had a request had a request. I, I made a um, brown butter chocolate chip cookie the other day, and somebody asked if I would send out that recipe for the weekend, so I will. I will get that recipe written up here uh, shortly, and I will send you out that recipe. So you can, It's actually really, really good. You brown the butter. Um, you melt it and brown it, and then you make it chocolate chip cookies with that. It's, it's, it's a tasty recipe. Okay, I'll get there. Right now, I want to go to Bruce. Bruce, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. Yes, Eric. I have an interesting story that every time I hear these uh, global warming people talk about global warming, I just have to chuckle because I used to live in Oregon and I traveled a lot by air at the time because of my business. And I had um, a man I sat next to on the airplane and I kidded him about being the snowflake counter. He counted the snow on the western slopes of the Rockies. And then he would fly out to California, which is where we were headed, to uh, negotiate with these people and tell them how much water they could have out of the Colorado River. And we talked about it and all the, the problems he had. Everybody always wanted and needed more water. And he kept having to tell them that people in Los Angeles still want to drink water and take showers. 
But one of the last things that he said to me on this conversation before we moved on was he said, take my word for it. In 40 years, there's going to be a serious water shortage on the West Coast. And he knew what he was talking about. And he said it was all based on population. had nothing to do with global warming. My brother lives in Colorado, and he and his son, one of his sons, sold their boats last year because they can't even launch them on Lake Mead anymore. It's down so much. Yeah. And that's what's happened. But every time I hear one of these global warming people with all these stories, there's another one that didn't come from this guy, but there was a governor of California that wanted people to put little reservoirs on their on their rural land, and it was all shot down by those tree huggers that wanted to say, oh, there's going to be some insect or rodent that gets wiped out. And right. now they realize they should have done that. Yeah, yeah you so know, was- this is one of the things. So Jerry Brown's father, when he was governor of California, pushed for more reservoirs and essentially argued that given the instability of climate, back in the 50s and 60s right. in this case, given the instability of California's <clears throat> climate and the growth of the population, they needed more reservoirs and the environmentalist movement really started in California as an activist movement to kill the, the growth and spread of those reservoirs. People forget that. Uh, that's where the environmental movement found its voice, killing the, the water reservoir projects of California. The problem here is to the point, you can say a lot of things are climate change, but when you look, you also need to understand that there's a level of development that has something to do with it. Uh, the amount of damage in Florida is not because of the amount of water, but because the amount of uh, development impacted by the water. In California, there in Nevada, there's a water shortage, not just because of a drought, but because of massive population growth in those areas that exceeds the supply.